Welcome to the HDFS Careers Podcast, the podcast featuring informal conversations with family science majors about their professional journeys. My name is Erica Jordan. Today, I will be sharing my interview with Dr. Liz Koneski. I met Dr. Koneski through Dr. Natalie Hangstebeck, who was featured in Episode 7 of this podcast. Thanks for the recommendation and the connection, Dr. Hangstebeck. Dr. Liz Koneski is currently the Head of Privacy Research for Facebook. She earned both a master's degree and a PhD in human development and family sciences from the University of Texas at Austin. She also earned a bachelor's degree in psychology from Colorado State University. In this episode, she shares the story of how she found the field of HDFS and her professional experiences to date. As is true for all interviewees on this podcast, Dr. Koneski's views are her own as a private citizen and do not reflect the views of her current, former, or future employers. Without further ado, Here's her interview. Well, welcome to the podcast, Dr. Koneski. Thanks, Erica. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for taking the time to speak with me. And for the sake of time, we're just going to jump right into it. Can you first tell me a little bit about your college experience and then also how you discovered the field of HDFS? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I majored in psychology uh, at Colorado State University. I was, I was born and, and raised in Colorado, so that's where I went to school. And I think I, I chose the psychology major. I knew I wanted to um, be in the, the College of Natural Sciences. I, I just loved science. And I think it was actually in a high school course. Uh, they offered AP psychology for the first time in, at my high school. And I ended up taking that course and I realized that I could do science, but apply it to people yeah. and not to, I don't know, cells or, or uh, something like that when I was considering uh, biology or some other majors. Um, and so I, I majored in psychology. I was also, also really interested in business at the time. So I ended up minoring in business um, and really got involved in research uh, pretty quickly as, as an undergraduate. So on my journey to, oh, okay, I can, there's, there's this combination of science and people and okay, well, that sounds perfect for me. Then I remember taking my social psychology course um, as an undergrad and realizing that not only could I study people and, and you know, how they, how we think, how we tick, um, that kind of thing, but I could study relationships. And that just really resonated with me. Oh my goodness, the social components of psychology and how we relate to one another, like this is really fascinating. Um, I could do science here. I could, you know, be a scientist in this area. So I remember taking that course and uh, it really prompted me to get more involved in research. Cause again, I was, I was always interested in, in the science uh, piece of it. And so I wanted to, to learn more than just what was in my textbooks and in my, in my, my courses. So I started um, uh, volunteering as a, as a research assistant in a couple of labs at, at Colorado State uh, in the social psychology and, and applied health areas to just get some more hands-on experience, um, you know, with um, with doing, doing research in, in those areas. And I absolutely loved it. I loved that, you know, we were, we were applying, you know, rigorous scientific method, but again, to, to people and how they interact and how they interact with one another um, about health information as well was, was really fascinating to me as an undergraduate. So, so I loved all of that. Um, and then I, I think on the, the business side of things, you know, since I was minoring in business, I was also really curious about 
how all of these relationships, you know, played out for, for folks, um, in the business world. And so I think that was a really cool supplement to, to my psychology major, because, you know, in my business courses, we would also talk about the, you know, the psychology and the, the social nature of marketing, for instance. And so, so I really, I really love that as well. Um, and all of these experiences, you know, especially getting that, that experience in these research labs and really getting to know the professors, the primary investigators who were conducting the research, their graduate students, it led me to want to, want to continue my education and, and go to graduate school and keep studying these topics that I was, um, you know, were, were more than just uh, interesting to me, but fun, fun to learn about. And so especially um, one professor, um, Dr. Jennifer Harmon, who I'm still in touch with, uh, she supervised my thesis, an honors thesis I did as an undergraduate, and really got me even more involved. You know, I was already volunteering in her lab, but, you know, re she brought me to my first uh, academic conference, um, you know, and helped, to, helped me to, to get there and be able to go learn from speakers and uh, uh, you know, both faculty members and other graduate students at this conference who were doing all kinds of interesting research. Um, and it helped to expose me to different topics uh, in, in the broad set of fields of psychology. And that's where I, I started, I think, to discover human development and family sciences. I don't think I knew that it was called anything like that at the yeah. time. Um, but I started to hone in on what interested me so much in in the social nature of relationships and in social psychology. And it was really, uh, you know, it, as, as is in the, the term, the science of family and relationships and friendships and, and how we relate to one another. And so I started to learn about this at, at that conference I went to and talking to, to Dr. Harmon about it. Um, I wasn't exactly sure, you know, I wanted to go to grad school, but I wasn't exactly sure where or what I wanted to study. So I actually ended up taking a few years between undergrad and um, my graduate work to work in a research lab. And again, to uh, my goal was to continue to hone in on, well, what exactly do I want to spend, you know, the next several years studying? Yes. Um, and so I, I worked as a, a project and a lab manager at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, working with uh, Dr. Lisa Neff, who uh, at the time had um, several several large grants from, for instance, the National Science Foundation, um, and she was doing longitudinal studies of of married couples, newlyweds, you know, to really study what what makes marriages work. And I, of course, I was I was quite fascinated by that topic. And you know, she was gracious enough to give me some experience uh, helping to manage those projects in, in her lab. And that was when, you know, I was kind of on this road on this journey to continue to, to hone in on exactly it was what I wanted to study and what I, what I wanted to go to graduate school for. And I had this very um, formative moment that I remember very well. Um, so I really tried to, to branch out of just my day-to-day -day core responsibilities mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a project manager and a lab manager. And when there were opportunities to get more education or information at, at UT Austin. I was really trying to take advantage of them. So I went to like a brown bag, like a, you know, a lunch seminar um, that they were, that they were hosting and it was in the human development and family sciences department. Mm -hmm. um, and Dr. Tim Loving uh, was speaking that week and he gave this talk about the science of uh, romantic relationships and how they intersect with 
our other social relationships, right? So how friendships and family relationships and then romantic relationships with your, your um, partner uh, over time, your partners throughout your life, um, all are intertwined and influence one another. And how all of these social relationships, social support, romantic relationships, um, all the, the overall quantity and quality of your social relationships affects your physical health. And I remember, you know, um, sitting there and being like this, this is it. This is what I want to study. I can spend five years doing this. This is amazing. And I remember going up and talking to him after that talk, um, asking to meet with him later and just really telling him I probably something exactly, exactly like that. I don't remember exactly what, um, but just expressing my, my inherent interest in, in what he was talking about and what he did. And I ended up applying to graduate programs across the country uh, that had similar sets of focus, you know, really looking at romantic relationships and social networks um, and, and health, that like three-way intersection. And, and I considered several other graduate programs, but I had just already, you know, really, um, I think found the, the topic areas and the person that, that I was supposed to work with in graduate school. So I ended up staying at the University of Texas at Austin and uh, doing my PhD in human development and family sciences, working um, primarily with uh, uh, Tim Loving as my advisor. So that, that professor who I heard speak. That, so that just worked out. I mean, so, so yes, you, how did you end up? I know that you went straight from your undergraduate, um, uh, from graduation basically, and you began working at UT Austin. How did you hear about that position? You know, what made you kind of take this leap from Colorado to Texas? Um, yeah. You know, what was your job process like after graduation? And then too, you know, what were, were you solely focused on um, taking a position in a research lab upon graduation, you know, was that kind of your focus? And did you apply across the country? Just how did you end up in that position? Yeah, well, it was 2009, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was, it was right during it, the job, the job market in general, you know, wasn't great. The economy in the U.S. wasn't great. Um, and so it was definitely tough to to find a job. So I think, my first decision I made was that I didn't want to apply to graduate school yet. And it was just, it was because I wasn't, I understood, I think at some level, um, the commitment of, you know, spending that time and energy um, in graduate school. And I wanted to make sure it was on the right topic for me with the right advisor. And I wanted some more time to figure that out. So the first decision I made was, okay, I'm not going to go to graduate school right after uh, undergrad. The second decision I think came out of conversations with Dr. Jen Harmon, who I mentioned, you know, was my, a mentor of mine at, at CSU. And, you know, she suggested, you know, sometimes there are these project management positions, research assistant positions, lab manager positions, you know, where you can get some more research experience, but you don't need a graduate degree. And I think she was the person that first suggested that to me or, or mentioned it. And then I just started looking all over the place, you know, for these positions. Um, I remember looking on, you know, places like indeed.com um, for, for postings. There was, um, I think there were job postings on, on the Chronicle of Higher Education as well. Mm-hmm. And I was very focused on lab manager, project manager, research manager, research assistant, those types of yeah. positions, because I knew already, right, that 
that I wanted to, to do science. I wanted to be a scientist and I knew I wanted to, um, that to be in the social sciences. Mm -hmm. So I was looking for things that were as close to that as possible, where I could get more experience and continue to, to hone my, you know, hone in on my exact interests. Okay. Um, and so I did, I was also okay with moving. You know, I had spent my whole life up to that point in Colorado and I was ready to, to make a move. And I, at the time as well, I mean, the economy was such, I, I think I, you know, I needed to be open to as whatever job prospects I could find. And so I must have applied to 80 jobs at wow. least. Yeah. 75, 80 at the time. I think I got one, two, three, I think I got three or four interviews out of that, um, which already like should speak to how competitive the the job market, you know, yeah. was at the time. And, and, you know, I was, I was, I had a good record. I was a, a good student, you know, right. um, of course, fairly green and inexperienced in interviewing, I realize now, um, but got a few interviews and it was, um, uh, you know, Lisa Neff at, at UT Austin, who it just was the perfect fit, you know, to, I think for me, I had some research experience, luckily that I'd gotten in um, my undergrad work in working with those, those research labs. And then the topic area of, you know, she's studying romantic relationships um, uh, was, was perfect. And, um, and then, you know, the move to Texas wasn't one that I, you know, had planned or thought much about, but I, I just, I just kind of had opened myself up to whatever possibilities were, were there. And that, that led me to Austin, which is a, a place I, I love and lived for many years. That's yeah. That that's so, um, I think, uh, it's great for you to share, you know, how many applications you put out there because I do think people get discouraged. Yeah. So, you know, just hearing that, um, someone of you, you clearly were a very strong student. I mean, you, uh, graduated magna cum laude <laughs> so I'm a very strong student and had a lot of rich research experience um, but it still was so competitive and you just kept trying until you got a position and it ultimately worked out to be a really strong fit yeah. um, and so um, thanks for sharing that I, I was also wondering so in college were you able to kind of have the more traditional college student experience where you were able to kind of focus primarily on your classes um, and if so, you know, were you involved in any other organizations um, beyond the research labs, which you clearly were very busy in those research labs, mm -hmm. so you might not have had time for anything else, um, or uh, what, was your, what was your college experience like beyond class in the research lab? Yeah, yeah, um, it was, you know, it was, it was rich and, and wonderful, and yeah, I was, I was uh, uh, involved in, in a lot of things. Um, I would say the things that stand out the most um, were actually, I, I was involved in other extracurriculars related to psychology. So I was in you know, Psychi, which is uh, one of the psychology, um, the psychology honor society. We had a great group at CSU as well that um, was called Active Minds and it was all about promoting mental health mm. um, resources and, and also, you know, um, combating the stigma of mental illness. Mm -hmm. So very much in the, the realm of, you know, my um, being a psychology major. And so I was involved in that group. Um, you know, and I think, I think I was an officer in both of those groups at, at one time. I can, I, I'm, I'm struggling oh, yeah. to remember exactly, you know, and exactly what positions and such. I would say a big part of my college experience was studying abroad. Um, that was something that was really important to me personally. 
Um, I had never been out of the country. Um, neither of my parents had or, or have now um, ever been out of the, the US. And so I had these dreams as, as a kid and as a teenager of, of traveling outside of, outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. And um, so studying abroad and, and that potential opportunity was just something that, you know, I, I dreamt of and, and kind of had earmarked early on in my college career mm-hmm. um, that I really wanted to do. And then, you know, did, doing some research on it over time, um, I realized also that there was going to be a significant, a significant cost associated yeah. with that. And so, um, you know, I had applied and was lucky enough to receive a, a lot of scholarships for, for um, uh, my undergraduate work, but, you know, not to cover everything, of course, and especially not to cover um, studying abroad. And so one thing that I was doing in the first couple of years of college was, was working a lot. So at, at one time, I remember, I think I had three part-time jobs. Like I was waiting tables um, at, a, at a local sushi restaurant. I was um, a lab assistant in not a research lab, but in like a computer lab, you know, sitting and, and proctoring um, students working on assignments and that kind of thing. And I was working in the university bookstore. And so I was doing those three things simultaneously during the semester, taking, taking classes, um, all to, you know, save up to have um, enough, not just to, you know, get through tuition at, at CSU, um, but to, to have that one extra semester where I could go to, I went to Florence, Italy. Um, I have um, Italian heritage, and so I was very interested in Going to going to Italy, exploring that further, and taking some courses there. So that was a big deal in my my college experience was to be able to do that, um, and and also be able to to travel around Europe um, and and just like the I think it was a kind of a formative moment for me as an adult to you know save my money and spend it on on something that was so meaningful for me. Yeah. Um, and I remember being I remember being in Florence in my last few weeks, and you know the the students that I was lucky to be there with, you know, we had all different situations, I think, but mm-hmm. several of us, you know, were, were, um, had figured out how to, how to, you know, um, pay, uh, to be there. Um, and, and that meant we had a limited amount of funds and, and we really wanted to, I think, go on like some train ride to, um, I forget where it was. It, it uh, we, it might've been going to Paris or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Um, but it was like, okay, I can either go and travel to this, wherever it was at the end of my experience here, um, but I'll probably need to eat, you know, like rice and <laughs> some other inexpensive foods for, for the next few weeks, or I can stay here and, you know, uh, and I, of course decided we were going to go on this train trip to, to Paris. So, uh, and I, and I ate rice <laughs> or whatever, ramen, whatever I needed to eat at the time. So that was, I think I was really lucky that I was able to have those jobs, um, and then study, get a apply to and be accepted to study abroad, and you know, have have also certainly helped from from scholarships and my parents to to be able to do things like you know go on a train trip. Uh, in, yes. in, but um, but those were some of the things that were really formative in my college years: studying abroad, working a lot. I worked a lot, um, uh, and of course having having great friends and and those social connections as well. That's amazing. That's a great story. Yeah, and it's so much more meaningful when you're putting in so much time and effort yourself. I mean, three part-time jobs, plus you're taking classes and working in research labs. That's no short order. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you 
decide, hey, this is what I am committed. And yes, I like how you've now emphasized that a couple of times. Like, yes, you need to know, you know, what it is that you want to study before you commit to mm -hmm. um, five, six, seven years in a program, sometimes for people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I think uh, the process is so different from searching uh, for an undergraduate program. Yes. And, you know, people don't realize how specialized these PhD programs are, but you found this research line that you're very excited about. And so tell me about your experience um, in graduate school. Yeah. So, so yep, I've, I've been on that journey. I'm committed. I've decided I'm staying, staying in, in Austin and at, at UT Austin for another, as you said, five plus years. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Wondering how long it could it can take for for graduate school these days. Um, yeah, my experience in graduate school was, was wonderful. I mean, um, Tim Loving, uh, Dr. Loving, who who was an amazing supportive advisor. Um, I mean, just taught me so so much about um, writing uh, and and really learning how to write well, which is like you know, a life skill that I'll take with me for, for everything into the future. Yes. Um, uh, he really taught me, I think, how to think critically about things as well as my other professors at UT in, in, in my coursework, my graduate coursework is, you know, really being trained to not just take something at face value, including, you know, research studies that might seem, um, you know, like they point to a certain conclusion, but uh, I was, I was, so deeply taught to question and to think critically about uh, everything, everything that you read, including research studies, right? Which, which all have limitations, um, yes. big and small. Um, and so that's something that I really appreciated about my time in, in graduate school. Um, I think I learned very much how to mentor and how to teach uh, during my time in graduate school. You know, you spend time whether it's mentoring undergraduates uh, in research labs, right? So then I became like the graduate student that I was was working for at, at Colorado State earlier. Um, you know, then, then I was that graduate student and I had undergrads looking up to me um, to teach them about research uh, and also to, to do things like um, be a teaching assistant in, in undergraduate courses. And I think I, I really learned how to, how to mentor and, and how to teach during graduate school. Um, and then I got, I was lucky enough to do um, in collaboration with not just Dr. Loving, but I continue to work with Dr. Neff uh, at UT Austin and, and a few other faculty there. Um, I was lucky to work on some, some research that I, you know, found inherently interesting and fun and motivating and to publish some, some papers on it and to um, be involved in research that was, that was very meaningful. And then again, um, you know, just also had some some amazing formative life experiences uh, uh, there. And of course your, your graduate student cohort, kind of the people that you know you enter in graduate school with and, and you know, live those five plus, plus years alongside, um, you know, doing your graduate work were, were really important and are still really important relationships for me as well. Yes. Um... I'm sorry, I sometimes I get so involved in listening to what people are saying. It's like taking me back to graduate school as well. <laughs> <laughs> it is such a, this, this very immersive, immersive and formulative experience. Um, okay, so you're conducting your own research. You're uh, still being able to collaborate on this fascinating research. I guess, yeah, what was your, if you have a, a standout kind of um, 
moment in terms of your research experience mm. that really shaped your thinking uh, or um, a really exciting project? Like what, what was the kind of a standout moment with regards to your research um, while sure. you were in your grad school program? Yeah, I think there, there are two projects that stand out for me um, in slightly different ways. So I think one was the work that led to my master's thesis. And I really loved that because I think for a number of reasons, I think I got to push myself as far as research methods and statistics. Mm -hmm. um, and again, the, the topic was, was just so important. So my, my um, master's thesis really combined all of the things I mentioned being interested in. So it was about um, social support, as in the support you receive from friends, family members, um, loved ones, as well as romantic relationships. So it was actually using study uh, data from the studies I mentioned that I helped to manage with, with Dr. Neff. Um, we called it the Austin Marriage Project, where we had um, you know, newlyweds who we were doing longitudinal work with. So, you know, they would come in for interviews and we had daily diaries that the couples would, would do, both couple members. And we also had um, a physiological component. So we were asking people to, to provide us with um, saliva samples, which is a common way for researchers to, to study biomarkers, hormones like cortisol, which is a, a stress hormone. And it lets us see, you know, um, the potential connections between things that happen in your social relationships and things that a marker of your physical health like you know the extent to which your your cortisol might rise and fall or or uh, decrease over the course of the day so my master's thesis combining those those three topics i think was was really exciting for me but um but really i think what started to excite me most there was you know yeah pushing myself in the statistics to to really figure out how to find answers to these questions, right? So you have all this data from these couples, but now it's like, okay, well, how do I test, yes. you know, if social support from friends and family members helps to create uh, a buffer, uh, if you will, of, you know, natural stressors that can happen in a relationship, like relationship conflict, uh, and, and that conflict can, can, we know from other research can cause, um, you know, increases in, in some of the, uh, hormones like cortisol, stress hormones, or, uh, uh, not allow our bodies to recover as quickly as we might, if they're not under stress and if you're not experiencing conflict. And so I wanted to know, well, you know, do your friends and family help you, right? Mm -hmm. Even if you might ha be having disagreements with your, your partner, which is natural, we we all we all have those um and that might you know negatively affect your your physiological health on a daily basis um you know could support from your friends and family help um to to sort of mitigate that negative um relationship between relationship conflict and physiological responses like 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 cortisol and the rate at which cortisol declines through the day and so i was able to use statistics you know and really leverage statistical modeling to find those answers for the first time. And the answer, by the way, is yes, that so social support from friends and family members did, did mitigate that, that relationship that we would see um, and that has been determined in, in lots of other studies between conflict in a romantic relationship and uh, stress hormone response. So having that support from friends and family uh, did help the, the couple members in our, in our study to, to cope with that stress. And so I think that was a real standout project for me. Um, and then I would say uh, my dissertation as well in, in, in a different way where I think, you know, 
these projects like, you know, a thesis, a dissertation are such wonderful. They, they teach you so much related to um, more of like what I, I guess you would call the soft skills. I always hate that term. Yeah. <laughs> the soft skills are like the skills. I know. Um, I know. They're the most in-demand skill. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but what I mean, I won't get into the research in my, the topics in my dissertation, although I could go on because I think those are fascinating too. But, but, but more so, I think what was formative about that is just the independence, right? Even if you're really conceiving of an idea, you're executing the research entirely independently, you're writing it up entirely independently, you're responsible for presenting it and, you know, walking through your choices and defending them entirely independently. Um, and so I think there is a lot of soft skills there that, that were really important for me to pick up in that project. So those are, those are two that stand out both sound yeah fascinating like you said in different ways um that's good to know too that social support is helpful <laughs> mm -hmm. i guess we'll leave your graduate school experience now even though that's it's been very fascinating to hear <laughs> about that but as you're winding down as you're finishing that dissertation that you've learned so much from um and you're winding down your graduate school experience um oh, well first no i have to give a shout out to yes the fact that you learn that statistics are basically power. Like, yes, you can use these <laughs> to really, you know, find the answers to really cool questions as long as you, but you have to have the tools and know how to use them appropriately um, mm -hmm. so that you can get valid uh, responses. So yeah, yep, um, absolutely. anybody listening, don't run from statistics. Okay, so <laughs> you're winding down your college, uh, your uh, doctoral experience. And what are you thinking? What are your plans as you are approaching graduation date? And um, yeah, what then do you actually end up doing? Yeah, so this is where I think my story, at least in my mind, takes takes a turn um, uh, or some twists and turns in that my whole time in preparing for graduate school and in, in being in graduate school for those first couple of years. So I think now I'm thinking back on maybe my fourth year in graduate school. The whole time up until then, I had been very focused on becoming a professor at what we would call an R1, a research one university. So like a, a big university where the majority of my future job that I that I anticipated to be training for was um, doing doing a lot of research and, and teaching university courses. Um, but but the uh, R1 designation, meaning like doing a lot of research is, is, is very much a part of the core job. And so I was doing everything that, you know, you're, you're supposed to do to be aimed at, at getting that job. So that was some publishing papers that was, you know, conference presentations um, and, uh, you know, really really was just aimed at like, that's what I'm training for. You know, of course, all the people I was surrounded with, that, those are the jobs that they had, right? My advisor um, and other faculty. And I found myself in, in my fourth year of graduate school realizing uh, somewhat ironically that I didn't totally know what that job really entailed. <laughs> like, I knew that I loved research and I knew that these faculty members did that research that I loved but that was kind of all I knew. I saw them teach, but I didn't totally understand what that meant, right? Like preparing these courses. And, and, I, and then I heard a lot about university service and grant writing, and, you know, and I knew about these things, but I realized that I didn't know like, well, day to day, what does 
doing as a professor? How much teaching am I doing and how much grant writing? And, and I just wanted to know more. Um, so I did a couple of things. I mean, I talked to my advisor a lot about it and, and, you know, um, he was, was wonderful in that he, you know, exposed me to some of the other aspects of, of his job. And he talked to me about university service and what that meant and, um, you know, what it meant to be say, you know, heading a hiring committee or something like that for, for another faculty member, what it meant to, um, uh, to, to be involved in other, you know, the, the, what makes a university function and how, you know, part of your job as a faculty member is to, to be involved in those things. And so he yes. talked to me about that. He talked to me about, um, the process of getting tenure and, you know, how much publication was required and grant writing and, and these types of things. So those conversations I think were really helpful, but I also needed to explore myself, uh, and really, you know, get some more of a hands-on sense of what this all meant. So, I started doing a series of things that were aimed at, you know, giving myself a sense of what, what does this job and what do other jobs really look like? So I got involved in university service as much as I could as a graduate student. So I, you know, was a graduate student um, representative for our uh, graduate student assembly. So I, I got to learn a little bit more about the inner workings of the university. Um, I, uh, also wanted to explore more what teaching meant and what it meant to me. Um, and you know, what I, what I loved about, about teaching because I, uh, you know, a, a lot of graduate students, a lot of PhDs end up leaving graduate school having only ever been a teaching assistant, right. um, but not ever teaching their own course. And you know, that's a, it's a big job, a part of the job of a professor. So I wanted to do that. So I, I also requested to, to teach my own courses. Um, which is something you can do certainly in the later years in, in graduate school at, at some programs. And um, I, I taught actually at a couple different places. I taught um, at UT Austin, but I also taught at uh, Southwestern University, which is a, a liberal arts school uh, north, of, north of Austin. And I wanted to there get a sense of, well, what it's like, not just what is it like to teach, but what is it like to teach in different places, um, you know, different types of schools, because again, I wanted to have an informed choice about what I wanted to do next. Um, and I really enjoyed teaching. Um, I, I really loved it. I think I was, you know, decent at it. Um, I, I saw my colleagues though, who passionately loved teaching. I mean, and were just incredible teachers. And so I, you know, I liked it, but I saw like an interesting discrepancy there. Um, I also wanted to get a sense of applied work. So I, um, and my advisor as well, and another um, mentor of mine who uh, had, had just become a faculty member at the time, um, was in graduate school with me and then had, had graduated and become a faculty member. Um, we did some work for a local nonprofit organization um, it was work that I actually ended up publishing. So um, we, we looked at the effectiveness of an, an intervention program um, for uh, domestic violence mm -hmm. um, in romantic relationships. And so we um, did, did that work and published on it. And again, I wanted to get a sense of, well, what does applied research look like in the nonprofit sector? Um, and I really enjoyed that. And then I had had, at that time, it wasn't that common, but I knew I think one person, maybe two, who had gotten their PhDs at UT um, in psychology and had then not gone into academia um, and had not gone into the nonprofit sector, but had gone into the, the private sector mm -hmm. and were working um, 
both in different ways in, in, in the uh, technology sector specifically. And so I said, okay, well, I want to cover all my bases here. I'm going to reach out to them too. I just want to learn about all the different career options I have here. I know professor and different types of professors. One, I know that there are folks doing, because um, we had a graduate who, who was working at this local nonprofit. Okay, I know that's an option. Let me figure out what this other option is, if it's even an option for me. Yeah. And so I reached out to, to them and they were gracious enough to talk to me about their experience and their jobs. And it led me to actually want to know more and to, um, like I had done in the other scenarios, really try something out. And so I did an internship, applied and then was accepted for an internship at Facebook. Um, and um, they offer summer internships for graduate students in user experience research, which I didn't know what that was at the time, but I learned. <laughs> uh, and I just fell in love. Like, I mean, it was like, it was not even two or three weeks into that internship where I was like, oh, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is the type of scientist I'm supposed to be. This is it. Like very much like you just felt that flow. Um, like I hadn't, I, I loved everything I was doing until then, but I felt a different kind of flow yeah. there. Um, loved my internship, uh, learned so much, so much there. Um, and really, at, you know, at the end of it, um, and I could talk more about why, but at the end of it, knew that I wanted to go back right to that place that I felt like such a good fit with that type of that type of applied science. And so came back and finished my dissertation very quickly. Um, <laughs> I, I was already pretty far along, luckily, but I finished finished very quickly so that I could come back to a full time job that that was waiting for me uh, at Facebook, um, which is. Um, you know, if you're uh, a year or less out from graduating, um, if you come and do an internship at the end of your internship, you either, you know, are recommended for um, a future job there if you're, you're eligible um, or not. And so I was lucky enough to, to be recommended for that and to be, to be uh, offered a job. Uh, and so I really wanted to get back and, and get there. So I finished my dissertation quite, quite quickly yes. um, in order to be able to go and, and start this, this job that, that I, you know, had loved so much at the intern stage. And um, the, uh, end, the end result of this is I'm still at Facebook um, five or so years later. Um, and after being a researcher there for several years and a research manager, I now am the head of privacy research at, at Facebook. And I absolutely love my job and uh, and ha I'm happy to tell you more about it but that's how I ended grad school and, and got where I am now that is awesome I mean what what really strikes me about you Dr. Kodesky at every stage is just your fierce exploration that is I mean I, I feel like that's been a driving force um, behind your accomplishments because you know you weren't ever just willing to just accept just kind of the next thing just because it's kind of the status quo or just because mm -hmm. you know it's there <laughs> you, mm -hmm. you wanted to explore all of your options at every stage you know even um when you go back to the undergraduate stage and so um yeah, and even taking taking the leap and being so committed to study abroad um and then not feeling the pressure to go straight to graduate school you know um absolutely that's that's a perfect fit for some people but you know you wanted to take the time to explore and so it was more appropriate for you um to take that time and, and really learn about all of your options and 
um, I just think that that's a really cool part of your story. I definitely want to hear all about this. I think it's funny. People who have a, uh, uh, some significant like life event, like a job offer. It's amazing how you will suddenly finish that dissertation in record time. <laughs> You're already far along, but I know yep. I was not far along. I was sort of dragging my feet. And then once I started working full time at a faculty position, I was like, Oh, I've got to get this over with. So there's nothing, <laughs> there's yep. nothing like some significant event to make you finish in record speed. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so tell me about yeah, tell us about this this field that you knew nothing about. So what was this user experience research field? What was that like? Um, tell us about that. And then before we even get to your current role. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what I discovered in applying for this internship, doing the internship, and of course, what I know now being in this industry is that there is a huge, just rapidly growing field of what I would describe as essentially like technology meets social sciences. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it takes a number of, it manifests in a, in a number of different ways. And so, you know, by no means is, is my experience um, in, in tech specifically at Facebook, very specifically representative. Um, you know, one thing I, I always tell folks is people will, will sometimes refer to my job as, oh yeah, you went into industry. And what they mean is like people who are in graduate school, you know, uh, like me, uh, like I was, you know, are aimed at going into academia. And so anything else that's outside of academia, outside of working in a university is, is and quote industry. <laughs> and that would almost be like me saying, um, Oh yeah, you know, Erica, what is it that what is it that you do? What what do you study? Oh, oh okay, human development, cool. And then moving on, right? And it's yeah. like, no, wait, but like what do you study? You know, <laughs> beyond just HDFS. It's the same with industry. Industry is like a very broad term for probably tens of thousands of different types of jobs um, that are, that span the public sector, the nonprofit sector, and the private sector. Um, and so, so by no means is my experience perfectly representative, but, um, but yeah, for, for me, what I found uh, is that among those tens of thousands of jobs, it, there's this sector of technology meets social sciences where really the, the end goal is to use social sciences and other sciences that I didn't really even, uh, even know about before, things like human computer interaction, um, and information sciences and human factors and and also other disciplines like design thinking um, you know for for designers who think about the the inter interfaces that that we use on our phones our computers etc that they're all of those things combine to create these sets of research questions um, around you know what are people's relationships to technology and how can we make those be as positive and as best as we can to deliver value that technology is supposed to deliver into people's lives. Um, and so as when I realized that I, at first I thought, oh, okay, there's like this small sector that, you know, works on these types of questions. And it's, it's no, I mean, user experience is a huge field um, uh, of, of folks with its own professional organizations. You know, most major companies have researchers, have user experience researchers now, where the goal is to do rigorous research um, to understand people, to understand products like Facebook, for instance, um, and to help make those products better and as good as they can be for people to, to serve their needs and, and provide value. I mean, well, as I think of myself and everybody else who's ever 
shaking their fist at some piece of technological equipment or, or software. <laughs> I think that we can all appreciate the value <laughs> of, um, of rigorous research to improve our relationships to technology. It's like, yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, we've come such a long way in only the past five years. I mean, and then when you look back 10 years ago, it almost seems like a completely different world. Mm -hmm. um, so then, so how long do you stay in that role and what is kind of the rest of your progression like to date yeah. <laughs> at Facebook? Yeah, so the internships that we offer are 12 weeks, usually over the summer, but not exclusively. And you're paired with a mentor, a researcher, a full-time researcher who really, you know, helps to, you still work independently, but helps to, you know, supervise, supervise your work. I would make it akin to um, like a, a senior graduate student mentoring like a, a junior graduate student or something like that. I'm trying okay. to relate it to, to an academic setting. So I was lucky enough to, you know, when I applied for my internship, they, they really try to pair you with someone and a topic that, you know, you'll learn from, but also that you can bring expertise to. And so um, I started working on um, a team that was really focused on helping to unlock people's social connections on the Facebook app specifically. So, you know, we were studying things like, you know, well, what motivates people to share posts on Facebook, you know, pictures or videos or, or text posts, what are they expecting to get out of that socially? And, and how is Facebook the platform delivering or how could, how could we deliver better the, the types of meaningful social interactions that, um, that people are looking for? And so that was the, my uh, internship was focused on starting to answer some of those, those kinds of questions. And, um, you know, I think one of the things I love about working in the, uh, in doing applied research is, is really the speed and the level of impact, tangible impact that you feel. And so even in the course of my internship, you know, I was there for 12 weeks, I was able to conduct, I think, three studies in those 12 weeks, um, wow. you know, from start to finish, and then also see the impact of that where I watched the teams that I was working with. So, you know, I was working alongside just brilliant people across different roles, designers and data scientists and engineers, like, uh, you know, all of these people um, who work in tech, who I didn't know what they did before. But what I know now is, you know, they're trying to change and improve features and create new features, um, in this case on the Facebook app, to help unlock people's voice and self-expression and to make sure, you know, that they're getting the, the social connections that they're looking for that Facebook aims to deliver. And so even in just those 12 weeks, I was able to deliver results and watch the team take in those results and say, okay, we understand what you found here and we're going to make a change to make um, this experience, this experience better. So I just found that, found that really rewarding. Um, and so then application and direct impact. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the things that lured me, lured me in. And so when I came um, back full time, I also um, came back on that, that same team. So, you know, I was focused on, on, um, uh, sharing on, on Facebook app and what people share and what they don't share and why, and, you know, how to make sure that we were, um, delivering the best products we could to help to, to provide people voice um, on Facebook app. And so I was a researcher on a variety of topics in that realm for a couple of years. I was asked to then become a research manager, which is, it's not exactly like this, but I guess it's kind of like um, uh, an early career faculty member or something okay. like that, where, you know, you're, uh, you're asked to help really empower and um, um, 
unblock and, and collaborate on, um, and, and I suppose supervise um, research that a number of other researchers are doing on that topic. So was, was managing that team for, for several years. Um, and then about two years ago now, um, you know, my, my team at the time had, had really developed a, a, a muscle and a set of um, insights and, and a body of work about, you know, yes, what motivates people to share information online, but also what makes people hesitant to share mm -hmm. on, on Facebook or anywhere else online, right? What, what makes us hesitant to share information about ourselves? And of course, privacy concerns are a core part of that. And we knew we wanted to understand um, um, privacy and the concerns people had and solutions that we could generate better um, at Facebook. And so, so I was asked to come over and, and lead our uh, privacy research team, which is, which is what I've been doing for the last almost two years now or so. And so I have about 20 um, researchers, uh, uh, other research managers um, and program managers who, who work with me. And we, you know, collectively we study privacy. We study what people think and feel um, how people behave in relation to, to digital privacy on our platforms and even beyond, you know, how people think about privacy um, on all different types of technology and, and how that's rapidly changing, um, uh, you know, over the course of the last decade and per perhaps especially now when we're amidst this global pandemic and using technology in different ways to connect with others. But, you know, also I think thoughts about privacy come to mind more often as, as we're using technology during the pandemic too. So, so that's what, what my team um, is focused on studying now. I, that's, this is all fascinating. I'm wondering what's standing out to me and you touched on it a little bit. So going from the speed of academia, mm -hmm. which tends to be extremely slow, <laughs> it tends mm -hmm. to be a slog, right? You know, it can be months and months and months before this paper is published. And that's after months and months and months of data collection. <laughs> and, um, and then if you're talking about any sort of implementation or intervention, uh, you've got a, a long slog ahead of you to, um, to, for that to happen to a situation in which it can be a few weeks <laughs> or maybe less um, from start to finish for a project. What was, I know it was exciting for you, I, mm -hmm. I guess, but what, how else did you go about adjusting to that, uh, it, you know? Yeah, it certainly is quite different. It's, it, you know, it's, you're, you're right to notice that. And I think that the pace is something that's quite different between academic research and, and applied research in general, especially perhaps research in tech, um, where, you know, technology just moves quickly. And so research has to move quickly alongside it if we're going to inform that technology. Um, I think for me, yeah, part of it was, I don't know if it was necessarily an easy transition, but the transition didn't feel painful because I loved one, the topics that I was getting to study um, in, in the applied sector. Two, I did actually love the pace. I loved moving a bit more quickly. And um, I think for me, sometimes it was, it was challenging the, as much as I love and do love the peer reviewed publication process. And it's an important part of, of my team's work today as well. Um, yeah, there are, the, I also love when we can move a little bit more rapidly and it's because, you know, that research isn't going into a peer reviewed body of knowledge um, that will be referenced and built upon for years to come. You know, it's going into an internal body of knowledge that's really aimed at, you know, developing um, a, a business and a, and a set of um, 
uh, sets of set of products and features that add value to people in in technology and in in our case, and so it, it allows you to move more quickly. And I just loved that. I love that in my internship. I love it now. Um, and it's not just about moving fast. Um, although I, I do think it for me personally, from a career perspective, it helps me stay motivated. I think. It was hard for me. I remember like, you know, starting my master's thesis to finishing it to, up, you know, submitting it to get published to getting it published, you know, we're talking about years lag across that time. And it is hard for me personally, just my personal working style to stay connected that long, and that motivated to to a project. Um, so I think that was a, a, a transition that felt positive to me because it was a little more matched with my personal style. But I think the latter thing is, is just the impact of like, when you then see how your research is informing big changes that impact people's lives and livelihood and ability to connect with their friends and family members, like uh, connect with information, you know, I mean, things that are, that are real, real life. Um, and, and you're seeing your research impact the technology that helps to deliver that. Um, I think you want to move more quickly because it's, it's, it's really helping improve people's lives when it's done well and you're doing it right. You know, um, when your research is, is, is aimed at improving those things. So, okay. So you're still definitely doing a lot of research. It sounds like you're also though overseeing a huge team. What has that been like for you? Uh, do you feel like you still get to be as engaged in the hands-on um, work of research as you'd like to be, or have you really embraced the administrative role, or do you feel like you have a good balance of both? Yeah, so I think what's what's really interesting and, and what I found really wonderful about the business sector and specifically the tech sector and the company that I'm at is you can advance in your career without becoming a manager. Mm. So there, there are parallel paths at Facebook where you can just continue to develop breadth and depth of your expertise as a researcher for years and years and years and continue to grow and be promoted and um, and that's a, a career growth option, or you can decide that you want to be a manager, but you don't have to be a manager to grow and get promoted. So you get, you know, you grow and, and are able to advance at, at equal rates, whether you're a manager or, or uh, remain a, a full-time researcher. And so I actually got to make a very conscious choice that I wanted to become a manager. Um, and I think the reason that I made that choice is because I, you know, through through working in, in business, I really uncovered a lot of skills that and strengths that I had that I didn't even know were strengths. Wow. So for instance, you know, I um, had always really been able to kind of move a project forward, a group project. This is true in undergrad, this is in graduate school, um, uh, and, you know, really get people on the same page to move forward towards a common goal. Mm -hmm. And I had never honestly even really noticed that about myself other than, well, we have to get this group project done, so let's go. <laughs> and I would kind of kind of lead it um, and make sure that, that we were all headed in the same direction and we're on the same page. But then I realized in working, you know, in business, it's like, oh, that's a strength I have to move people forward towards towards a com common goal. And that there were um, a lot of a lot of other strengths I had in mentoring and um, uh, really helping to to 
be a, a sounding board for people related to their careers and career progression and the goals that they wanted to achieve. And all of these, these things that I just didn't know were, were skills or strengths or things to, um, you know, be, be marketable about me. Yeah. Um, and I was really able to discover several of those at, at Facebook. Um, another example of this is I'm really passionate about diversity and, and inclusion. And um, I found a lot of opportunities at Facebook to, to really lead on, on that front and to really participate on that front where, you know, we're taking critical looks at whether it's, um, uh, you know, how people all over the world are using our platform, which, you know, by necessity, the, the billions of people that use our, our platforms around the world are uh, inherently diverse and really taking a look at what that means and how we need to deliver great products to that global population, but also internally and having discussions around, you know, what it's like to be a woman in tech and making sure we, you know, create a support, supportive environment and just these things that, you know, I never would have known could be core parts of my job that um, as a, as a manager uh, and as a, a leader of a team and an organization, I get to really flex those, those muscles. So I made a very conscious decision to become a manager and and yes, to lead a team, which means I, I am less, um, inv less involved in the day-to-day -day research. Like I'm not usually running surveys or doing the interviews or anything like that my, myself. Um, not always, occasionally I do jump in and collaborate with, with someone on my team on, on projects certainly, but I'm still very involved in research. Yeah. Like, so I'm getting to, to see and be a sounding board and give feedback for those surveys and that creation. I'm getting to, you know, um, help a researcher synthesize, you know, the, the data from interviews and really think critically about, well, what's the, what is the story here that this data is trying to tell us? So I'm still involved, but not in as much of the day to day. And that's very much by choice to leverage strengths that, that I really enjoy. That's really neat to hear. Is there anything else that you want to share? And then do you have any advice for uh, future students or current students or new, new professionals? Sure. So I guess I'll share, you know, sometimes when I get asked to give um, talks to say graduate students um, or um, I, sometimes undergrads, but I would say especially graduate students who are um, like I was, right, you know, um, in academia currently getting their degrees and, and thinking about perhaps academic or, or jobs um, outside of academia, I like to kind of do some some myth busting, mm -hmm. if you will. So I would love to, to go through it and just um, talk about some of the myths I hear about my it. job um, and, and bust those. So I think there are five that I usually try to um, go through. So the first is, is people will ask me, you know, what it's like to have a nine to five job. Um, because, you know, I think the assumption there is that, you know, a job in, say, in academia is very flexible, right? So the job of a professor is very flexible and, you know, you, it's not a, a nine to five um, kind of job. And my answer to that question is, I have no idea what it's like to have a <laughs> nine to five job um, because that is just not something that, uh, at least in my experience, uh, matters in, in my uh, in the tech sector in, in at my role. No one has, I don't know what clocking in is. That's not a thing. Um, I, you know, uh, have never, no one has ever cared if I have gotten to my job at nine o'clock. So there's very much flexibility. Um, and I would say there's in fact flexibility in other ways that I don't always see in academia. So, um, you know, when people take vacation, uh, when my team takes vacation, they take vacation 
they are not checking their email. I will be sad if they are checking their email. I will say, why are you checking your email? Go have fun. <laughs> um, and I think we just try to create, you know, some, some work-life balance that's really meaningful, not just on vacation, but in the evenings and, and on the weekends as well. Um, so that's one myth I like to bust. Um, another is um, that somebody tells you what to research. So people will often ask me, you know, well, you know, in, in academic research, you know, you get to pick what you study, you know, what's it like to have someone tell you what to research? And my answer is, I don't know. No one <laughs> has ever told me what to research. Um, nobody's, you know, decided what I or what research my teams do and like come and said, please study this now. Um, uh, now it's also not the case that we are just like, you know, on a Tuesday, Ooh, what's interesting to us. Let's go dig in and look at the data. That's not how we work either. You know, we, we have a real responsibility in fact, with the data that we collect, um, from, uh, from people who are willing to participate in our, our surveys or interviews, um, to really use that responsibly. And so we're doing research that yes, is aimed at answering important questions for our organization. So if I had to sum up in a, in a sentence, uh, one question, you know, my team is doing research that's aimed at making privacy better across Facebook Inc's products. Mm -hmm. So all of our research is going to be, you know, aimed at that end goal. But that doesn't mean that, you know, anyone is, is telling us what research to do on what topics or with what methods, you know, we're, we're the experts, we're the scientists, we're defining that. Um, so that's another myth I like to bust. Yes. Um, uh, I think um, uh, another one I'd already mentioned actually is that all and quote industry jobs are like this. And again, like I've described just my experience in my, you know, couple sets of roles at, at one company. Um, so, so things are very different in even just uh, diverse, you know, in the technology sector, in the user experience research field. Um, and certainly in applied research overall. Um, and so one of my, my number one pieces of advice um, to students, and, and you really called this out too, Erica, is to explore. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be afraid to, to dive in and, uh, and really consider different potential jobs for yourself, but do more than consider them. Talk to people who have those jobs. Do research on what exactly those jobs entail. Do internships. Volunteer to do research for free at organizations, local nonprofits, for instance. And and you know you're you're deciding on a career trajectory for the rest of your life. It's worth doing a little extra, and maybe even slowing yourself down a little bit in in graduate school for a second to make sure that you end up doing what you really want to do. Um, so, so that would be some of my, my advice. And my last two myths that I like to bust are, you know, I think sometimes people think that theory, um, uh, theories um, or, or rigor don't have a place in, in industry research. And I'll say, I've been able to, to see and participate in rigorous and innovative methods um, uh, in my roles. Um, you know, we really have to make sure that we're answering the question, our research questions in the best way possible. It's, it's core for, um, for our own work and for us as a business. Um, and the last thing I'll mention here is it's very much in the vein of exploring. Um, you know, I'd say the fifth myth that people tell me is, well, you know, what's it like to, to do research with the goal of making money for your company? Um, and that's really what they think of as, as jobs in the, the private sector. 
And I'll say again, my answer is I don't know because <laughs> my role at Facebook has never been to try to make the company more money with my research. It's just not, not what my, my roles have entailed. It's trying to deliver value and great user experiences um, with all of our products. And that means fostering meaningful social connections and understanding the, the relationship between users and technology, um, including in uh, regards to privacy. Um, and so it's, it's just not about making the company money. And so it leads me back to, you know, don't assume you know what, what any job is like until you do your research, talk to people who have that job and really explore yourself so that you can make the best decisions for your career. That is just all, those are, that's so many gems. And when you got to the third point about exploring and going, taking the step to talk to people, I just had to kind of just take some breaths in gratitude. <laughs> just thank you for reinforcing that <laughs> because sure. that's what we encourage students to do. And I know that it's scary, you know, it's scary to reach out to people, you know, who might be working at Facebook, <laughs> you know, reach out to people who, um, or in these roles who, who maybe you don't know or to um, it's sometimes people are even scared to tell their other like contacts who they do know you know that that they're interested in learning more about something and sure. um, I, I think you really highlighted throughout your career um, and then now with your words how important it is to explore but then also you know not to explore in isolation to actually put yourself out there I mean and you also what stuck with me talking about some of your early experiences in Facebook and how that led you to eventually become the head of privacy research. You know, there are a lot of skills that you didn't even recognize you had until mm -hmm. you were actually working. Um, and so kind of, you know, uh, I think sometimes people are afraid. They, they think that they have to find um, just this one, just specific right answer before they can do anything. And you learn, yeah. and you actually learn so much about yourself by just kind of dipping your toe in the water or at the very least talking to other people um, yep. about a variety of different options. So those are so many gems. I, I love Absolutely. it. Yeah, <laughs> I can I just still... take those myths and make a podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big into myths lately. I've been thinking about doing a myth series at work, like, you know, five myths about quantitative research, five myths about qualitative research, five myths about being a research manager. I don't know. Yes. All these things. I love myth busting. It's fun. If you do it, yes, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, okay, so that that is, don't let me have cut you off though. <laughs> was there anything else you wanted to say? Um, that is fabulous. You don't need to say no. anything else, but okay. I think I that's to... that's it. Yeah, I totally agree with your what you just called out there. Of you know, sometimes I think people are scared, and I and I understand too. You know, I remember being a little scared to you know, tell, tell, um, an undergrad, you know, to tell my parents that like, I wasn't going to go to grad school that I was going to work for a while. I remember being scared yeah. to apply to grad school. I remember being scared to tell my advisor, like, oh my gosh, I love this internship at Facebook. I want to do this. You know, <laughs> this is, this is actually really what I want. I was scared to tell him that. Um, and it went very well and he was very supportive. And in fact, uh, spoiler, he, Dr. Tim Loving, actually was so interested in what I was doing and what I was expressing that he became somewhat interested in the applied sector. And even though he was a tenured professor at an R1 university, a distinguished teacher, he um, was curious and decided it was time for maybe a career change for him. And he works at Facebook with me. That is so uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So I got to, I got to bring my advisor to work with me and yes. We, uh, 
we are still close colleagues and close friends. And, uh, and so even though that was scary, like, I think my, my message is like, thank goodness I told him for for me and for him and for his family who are really happy um, in this career too. And, and they're the way that his, his life has, and their lives have worked out. And thank goodness I wasn't afraid, you know, to try this out because I'm so happy in what I do. And I've found the place I'm supposed to be. Um, or I, I was afraid, but thank goodness I, I pushed past it because I mean, I think it's just really important for people to remember. I mean, this is your life. Yeah. This is what you're going to do day in and day out for a large portion of your life. And it's worth pushing past a little fear or an awkward conversation to, to figure out what you want that to be. It's your life. End quote, mic drop. That's perfect. <laughs> Dr. Kaneski, you have been so generous with your time and uh, it's, it's so inspiring to hear your story. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough. Oh, of course. Thank you so much for having me, Erica. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the HDFS Careers Podcast. If you have recommendations for HDFS or other family science alumni to interview, please reach out to me at hdfscareers.com. Don't worry if they're not working in a job that would normally be considered in the field. I'm interested in hearing a variety of stories, especially if they are working outside of academia. If you like this podcast and want other people to be able to find it, please rate it and review it in iTunes or share it on social media. Until next time, keep exploring your future possibilities.